Welcome to Beer Net Radio. Listen to on every continent except Antarctica. B double E double E R R N E T N E T Beer. Beer Net Radio. Hello, Jordan and Mark. Welcome to Beer Net Radio. I think we're still waiting for Mark to, to go live. Hey, how are you, Mark? Hey, here I am. Nice How's to it going. Face to face. Right. All right. Well, let me go ahead and uh, introduce you. Welcome to Beernet Radio, Mark Randaza, a well-known First Amendment attorney of Las Vegas <laughs> Randaza Legal Group. So, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So, first, I gotta ask you the tough questions, right? You're Sicilian like me, right? You told me that. You're Sicilian like me, right? Machito. <laughs> I mean, so Harry always makes fun of me. I, uh, I'm everything, and so I claim everything. But, but so my, um, my great-great-grandparents came over through Ellis Island. They, so my last name is Litz. My maiden last name is Litz, but that's because my grandparents took Rizzo and Cagliardi and somehow came up with Litz so that they could work in a German wine fact. I don't, I don't, you know, you do what you have to do. You want to work in wine? You change your name from an Italian name to a German one? <laughs> well, I think they had a quota of, I, I, I don't know, Mark, you know, you can ask my dad about it sometime. You know? I could spot you a mile away. I'd say, Siciliana. Oh, you said it best. So, well, you know, thank you for coming on the show. I think it's, it's really cool you know, the cases you've been involved in in beer over the last few months. And yeah. I think we're all sitting around here wondering, wait. Beer, drugs, yeah. guns, porn, you know, it's like if- <laughs> And if, beer, drugs, if your guns, if your mother would have, If your mother would approve, I don't work on it. Yeah, sin <laughs> biz is covered. Well, hey, while, while you're at that, I mean, you, you've you worked with uh, Lucian Greaves, right? At the Satanic Temple, right? <laughs> yeah, I just, just had breakfast with him on uh, <laughs> uh, this weekend, actually. Oh my gosh. Is he, a, he's a nice guy, right? He's gotta be. He's a great guy. I, <laughs> you know, most of the people I represent, you know, I, who, who you'd think aren't that nice actually are. Yeah. You know, it's like, you would kind of think the guy, the Satanist would be a rough character. <laughs> he's, he's a, he's a sweetheart. Oh, that's so funny. You know, and we've written, um, so let's, and you've worked with who Who else? Alex Jones, who all sorts of high name people. Yeah, and Alex is nicer than you'd think as well. I, mean, but <laughs> I find that funny. hard to believe. <laughs> it's funny when, when you, you know, pe people ask me though, they're like, is that, is that all an act? I'm like, man, no, he, he tones it down just a little bit for the camera. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> just like Harry. Too bad Harry couldn't do that. So, Mark, you know, we've, we've met before. I'm Jen Litz. I'm executive editor of Schumacher Publishing. And this is Jordan. Well, Jordan, go ahead and introduce yourself. <laughs> yeah, Jordan Driggers, the uh, beer editor over at Shoemaker Publishing. Great right. to uh, great to have you on, man. Thanks. Yeah, and I'm sorry that our fearless leader, Harry, isn't here. He has COVID. Um, if you had seen Monday's uh, edition, you would see him brandishing his positive test result all over. And so <laughs> he's resting. <laughs> That's yeah. No, but so tell us how you went. For, well, first of all, tell us how you went from being a lowly journalist like us to being <laughs> right. uh, you know, a well-known lawyer. Um, well, you know, I, I got I went to journalism school uh, almost. I mean, well, actually, I, I went to college thinking I wanted to major in journalism because uh, that was a, uh, you know, a, 
a profession that I felt I could follow and drink lots of gin, and, you know, and, and then, uh, you know, my, my journalism school uh, had a required class that was on Fridays at 9.30 a.m., which violated two of my cardinal rules of class selection. So I, I changed my major like seven times. And, and so fortunately, since I was in college for seven years, that class eventually changed time slots. So as soon as that happened, I went back. I said, hey, hey, I'm back. And they were like, oh, yeah, we've missed you. Well, why'd you come back? I'm like, well, you moved that stupid 9.30 a.m. on a Friday? I mean, that's like halfway into my weekend. Halfway. Uh, but, you know, I, I flunked out of college three times. And uh, the, the third time I came back, it was sort of like, all right, you're on double secret probation, Mr. Blutarski. And uh, I, you know, I, I took this class, Journalism and Law. And uh, I really, it was all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, this is cool. I really like this stuff. And then uh, I, I don't know what I did the night before my first exam, but I got a 37 on that exam which, <laughs> out of 100, which I didn't major in math, but that's, uh, that's like not wicked good. Um, and my professor, Karen List, who still teaches in the J school there, still teaches that class. Um, she's, you know, smaller than me. She's like this, you know, kind of small, you know, slight woman. And, you know, not, and I'm sitting there with like my mohawk and my leather jacket. And she grabs me by the neck and slams me against the wall and says, you're the smartest person I've ever had in my fucking class. And you just failed my fucking exam. I don't know what your problem is, but get your shit together. And I was like, oh, I'm smart. I didn't know that. Nobody ever told me that. Yeah. So, you know what? Kids will believe, you know, when you tell a kid what they are, they'll listen to you. So uh, she told me that. And then all of a sudden I started, I got a perfect 4.0 in every class, yeah. uh, you know, and, and then I, I really got inspired by the class because, you know, I'd always been sort of a loud mouth, always gotten in trouble for shit. So my journalism studies were mostly focused on First Amendment law, uh, you know, then graduated, got a few gigs as a journalist, you know, nothing, nothing impressive. But I mean, I did do some fun stuff like covered, uh, you know, I covered some uh, mafia trial in Sicily. Wow. Yeah, that was interesting when my uh, the guy driving me to the trial picks me up and he's got two bullet holes in his windshield covered with tape. And I was like, why don't you covered throw with tape? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I don't fix it anymore. They shoot at me so much. I don't see oh my anything the bullet holes. And they're right in front of me in the windshield. And I'm like, well, that's comforting. Hopefully they'll have better, uh, better aim next time. <laughs> oh, funny. Well, so tell me, I mean, what have been some of your favorite cases to work on in your career? I don't know if you can share if they're like babies to you and you can't pick or, or how that works. You know, they're, um, it, it, it's almost uh, when people ask me that question, I really should have a list because <laughs> I've had journalists call me and ask me, Hey, I want to talk about this case you worked on. I'm like, did I work on that? Cause, cause it's just, as soon as, no, they're not like babies. Cause it, you know, like babies, you have them and then you give a shit about them forever. <laughs> the, the moment my case is over, I'm just like, yeah, I'm it's, it's almost like a, uh, you know, like, like fish, you know, or frogs, you, you lay the egg and you're done. Um, <laughs> or, a, or an irresponsible NFL player with his kids, you know, I don't know. You, 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 oh no. <laughs> yeah. I don't really think about them much after, but, 
you know, I, I really have enjoyed like, so, you know, it, it's, it's often the ones that don't make the press, you know, like I've, uh, I've worked on a couple of uh, discrimination cases, you know, transsexual discrimination cases where, where, you know, where the activist organizations wouldn't even touch them. Hmm. And I'm like, sure, I'll do it. And, you know, and I have somebody on the phone crying saying, you're the first person that's ever stuck up for me in my whole life. And I'm like, damn, man, you know, that, that's when you call your mom and say, mom, I had a, you know, I'm being Sicilian. Of course, I'm, I'm a mama's boy. You know, I call my mom and I'm like, mom, you know, I, I uh, guess what happened at work today. Um, so things like that. Uh, but, you know, also ones I just love the ones where somebody's bullying somebody. You know, I, I had a case where uh, uh, this this woman out in uh, out in Vegas uh, complained that she felt like a realtor had treated her in a racist and sexist manner. And, you know, if you read the transcript of what he said, I, you know, even I looked at him like, I don't see what the heck's troubling about that but you know i i read that exact statement to like five different black women in a row and every one of them before i got the statement out of my mouth was like oh he said what like, wow there's like some secret code in there that so you know the point wasn't was it racist or sexist it was was she lying when she said she felt that way and you know the trial court said yep that's that's defamation the appellate court said the same thing. And then I just, you know, th then I was like, all right, I'm not fighting this the right way. And I, I essentially like set fire to the room, you know, and, and, and burned every bridge I could. But I said, you know, this is the most fucked up decision since Dred Scott. Mm -hmm. And um, the Nevada Supreme Court reversed that eight to nothing. Wow. So when I got to call her and say, guess what? You know, you, you won and you have a case named after you. She's pretty happy with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like the satanic temple stuff is always fun. I mean, we worked on another case, you know, that had nothing to do with civil rights, but it was a, um, you know, I had another case where uh, there was a, um, a guy made a film that was a Star Trek film, but it wasn't sanctioned by Paramount. Yeah. And so they sued him for copyright infringement. And personally, I, I think the case was right. But I came in on behalf of some uh, language, like language professors, constructed language people, saying that uh, the one element they sued over was they said you can't use the Klingon language. Well, Klingon is actually a language. I don't know if you knew that, but no. yeah, it's not just noises they're making. They actually came up with a grammar and a text and everything. And there are people who actually have like conversations in it. There's literally been a couple of Klingon weddings. Oh man. There was one family. There's actually been one native speaker of Klingon. They raised their kid for five years speaking nothing but Klingon to him. Yeah. They stopped doing that. I think maybe because they wanted him to one day see female genitalia. <laughs> um, you're going to be defending that guy in the future. Right. Yeah. No, that, that guy's definitely going to be in a basement one day on, you know, God. dancing to Tiffany with a list of people to kill. But, um, you know, I said, Look, nobody gets to own this. So, um, you know, that was fun because we wrote part of it in Klingon. And I'm not even like a Star Trek guy. And it made all these people mad. Like I got all this hate mail from people who were really into Klingon. Yeah. Like you didn't write this right. And this grammar's wrong. I'm like, geez, man, you know, I'm freaking sorry. But <laughs> on the other hand, I got their point. Cause like, you know, these people have conferences and conventions. Yeah. 
And who am I? You know, I just waltz in. It's like, oh, this guy's getting recognized for using Klingon. I'm like, well, I'm sorry. You know, I, I would have brought you guys along if I had realized how much it meant to everybody. But you definitely have style, Mark. I will give you that. And you do have fun. It does seem that way. And you have- I don't work a day way. in my life. <laughs> yeah, I, I do not work. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, yeah, this is, this is what I would do if I won the lottery. Yeah, well, that's so. good. Well, yeah. so how did you come to, to being involved in these beer First Amendment cases, right? Did it, was it, did it start with Flying Dog or, or how did that start? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've done lots of, you know, commercial speech First Amendment cases. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, Flying Dog is, uh, I like to call them a First Amendment advocacy organization that sells beer to fund the litigation. <laughs> it is like Ralph Stedman is like, who, how do I piss those North Carolina agency people off today? I know. And nobody was even trying to piss anyone off. Oh, but but yeah. that one came um, because, you know, Flying Dog had a longstanding um, First Amendment lawyer that worked for them who's, you know, decided he's going to uh, lay, lay off on the work for a while. And, you know, it, it choked me up when I got the referral because, you know, they, they said, hey, um, you know, this guy says that you're the, you're the guy to do this. And I'm like, wow, man, you know, because I, I still think of myself as 22 years old um you know the color of the beard might might belie that but this happened to me prematurely um you know i still think of myself as just starting out um so that was really cool to be able to do that and to be defending ralph stedman's art are you shitting me like for a you know for a lawyer like me who you know one of my favorite parts about being a lawyer is when you're just getting wasted with your friends and you can say you know as your attorney, I advise you to have another cap of mushrooms. <laughs> that's the best part about having a law degree to me. Um, oh, as, your attorney, <laughs> as your attorney, I advise you to take another bong hit. Um, so when, uh, you know, to, to be in there defending Ralph Stedman's art uh, in front of the government, trying to get rid of a government statute that I think is completely unconstitutional, you know, it doesn't get any better than that. Mm -hmm. And they did, right? I mean, in yeah. the recent in the recent case, they got rid of what was it? Uh, strike the regulation of allowing NC ABC commissioners to ban labels that they feel are in bad taste. Yeah. Do you think that will actually happen, though? Right? Don't aren't these guys trained to like? Nope, that's in bad taste. Are they really going to do that? Do you think? Happens all the time. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it it happened uh, time and time again. Um, yeah. In fact. You know, there's a uh, there. So there was a, a lawyer I brought on as a as co-counsel. Um, his name is Michael Boyer at Carolina yeah, yeah. Craft yep. Legal. Mm -hmm. Now, I, you know, it's funny. I found him because, you know, like I was talking about the Klingon thing. Yeah. It's sort of like, you know, who the hell is Mark Randaza in this? You know, there's a whole bunch of people for whom that would have been just totally in their strike zone. And here I am waltzing in. And I found some of his writing online. And I'm like, you know. That kid's going to feel that way if this case goes on in his backyard and he's not involved. So I called him just to say, hey, why don't you sign on to it? Just so that like, you know, he's six years out of law school. I said, get your name on it. Let's see about, you know, propelling you up a bit. And so I make it sound like I was doing it out of charity, <laughs> which which I was. But yeah. within about 32 minutes of knowing this guy, I realized man, I just plucked Tom Brady out of the seventh uh, round. Um, he was invaluable because, I mean, you, I know all the First Amendment stuff, 
But I said, you know, I asked that question. I said, well, how many times has this even happened? He's like, oh, this happened like 32 times, uh, including this way. You know, he's like citing the cases. He knew all of them. I mean, he knew everything down. So on that technical stuff, uh, I could not have done it without him. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it has, you know, to answer your question, it's happened a lot. Um, and most people don't bother to appeal it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the problem. You know, I fought... Um, a similar regulation in the trademark office that banned immoral and scandalous trademarks. Um, I wrote, uh, you know, something that sort of got went viral called the fuck brief, um, where, you know, they they had uh, said that I can swear on this, right? I mean, I guess. Yeah, oh yes. Yeah, you knew who the fuck I was. When <laughs> you said that I should interview, right? But I'm, I try, I try to keep it clean, but uh, it's just not in my nature. Um, Unless you know how to say it in Klingon, then we'd prefer that. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't. I really don't. We should get somebody who can. I can say in like 27 other languages. But, um, but they, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. You know, th- so this trait, you know, this, I had represented this website called Fucking Machines, um, which is one of the kink.com's franchises. And they rejected it, saying, well, that's immoral and scandalous. So I wrote like 25 pages on why the word fuck is not immoral or scandalous. Uh, and, and I lost, you know, I lost that case, like one after another, after another, after another, I, I, I did win one for them for whipped ass for a, uh, <laughs> a, a, a spanking website, you know, which I don't know some of this stuff when you work, when you work in porn, you look at this stuff and, and, and people think, oh, that must be fun. You get to w- watch porn all day. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it gets old real it's like eating pizza every day right i mean that's probably it's sometimes it's not even like eating pizza all day it's almost like eating olive garden all day you know (laughs) because you know a a lot of my porn work has been uh people worried about getting prosecuted for obscenity Mm -hmm. so you can imagine if somebody calls you and says can you watch my porn movie and tell me if i'm gonna go to prison for it you're not worried about that if it's just like hi i'm here to fix the cable and uh, and then he comes in and does something other than fix the cable so i mean obscenity in a porn film (laughs) what's the line uh you know you never know until you've actually gone to court you won't know until after your trial it's the only crime you can't have committed until after you're convicted yeah which I find just as a First Amendment advocate to be abhorrent, but um, I, I will tell you where my line was, and it's uh, <laughs> it, it's here. That's that's this isn't the trash can I used at the time. Oh. mesh, but uh, it was uh, if I threw up into my trash can watching your movie, I would say <laughs> you're gonna go to jail. <laughs> well, why? Because it made you throw up. I'm like, if it made me throw up. Imagine six people who couldn't get out of jury duty. All right. This is going to be mostly like little old ladies are going to be sitting there. And, you know, I mean, I can't even hear that music from two girls, one cup without, you know, retching, getting triggered. Right. So, you know, imagine if I never, I've never made it through more than six seconds of two girls, one cup. So it's been, it's been a few years for me, but uh, you ever watched the whole thing? No. Years yeah. ago, right. Year, yeah, I, you yeah. got through it. Yeah, but, I don't know. It's but Jordan, you've never gotten through it. <laughs> no way. Right. No. So, can you imagine? Like, yeah, if if, if you can't get through it, how are they going to feel? <laughs> Although, hey, you know, I, have, 
Go ahead. Sorry. It's, it's funny. I find women are more able to watch it than men. Well, I mean, you know, we probably changed more diapers in our lives. So we're yeah, used to it. it. You know? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, whatever it is, it, it's a, it's it's a, a constant. So, so we're talking about beer, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, well, I have one more like beer technical question to ask you, and then I'll pass it off to Jordan because I've been bogarting the conversation. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, obviously you work in, in trademark and um, I was at Craft Brewers Conference recently and there was a, a trademark um, session rather rather bland, but the guy did say, watch out for the trademark bullies, but he actually mentioned in the context of like now companies like Monster are moving into BevAlk, obviously, right? And they're sort of known trademark uh, dogs with a bone. So any thoughts about how much more action we're going to see in this space in the future in our industry? Yeah, I mean, there's always one or two companies out there like Monster. I mean, I think Monster is just full of crap. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, might be a good segue to uh, what, you know, what uh, to to the other big case I was doing, which is stone brewing, uh, which, you know, if you look on the USPTO website, uh, even stuff like, you know, using the word stone in other languages for other products, they they find some reason to object to it. So it is, um, you know, it, it is, trademarks are really about whether the consumer would be confused or not, not whether, you know, your, your law firm needs to up its billing that month. Um, but there are some companies that tend to do that. Um, but, you know, there's, there's plenty of room for hundreds of monsters in the marketplace, uh, as well as there's room for plenty of stones in the marketplace. So, yeah, you should worry about that because, uh, you know, I think a lot of people in craft brew kind of like porn. I mean, the, the industries are very similar um, in that, well, in that it attracts people who aren't really in the mood for a corporate job. You know, they're they're sort of they're entrepreneurial, they're creative, uh, they they tend to have a pretty good sense of humor. And then you wind up doing something like you try to parody somebody else's mark, and you wind up in trouble. Um, there were a lot of cases involving, you know, back 15 years ago involving porn companies that thought it would be funny to do stuff that were knockoffs of other products or other movies. And they'd say, hey, you know, that's sort of tarnishing our brand. And they had a point, um, you know, and similarly here, you do have to watch out for that. So it, it, would, it is a good idea. The other thing that makes this, the industry similar is it's extremely hard to convince them to really spend a significant amount of effort and money on legal until they get in trouble. And you know, frankly, I like that attitude because um, I don't buy nice things with, from the client, you know, based on the revenue from the clients who listen to advice and ask before they do something. You know, that's, those are the, uh, those are the $400, uh, you know, a month or, you know, maybe a couple thousand bucks a year clients that you have them forever and they never get in any big trouble. Um it's the ones that call you up and say, well, I don't know why I can't do that. And then they do it and then they call you back. And it's like, sweet, daddy's going to buy another Corvette. <laughs> um, so it, it, it is something small businesses tend to say, you know, it's not a big deal. I don't need to do it. Or even they don't bother to register their trademarks. And, you know, that is so cheap and it's so quick and it's so easy. I mean, it can take a while for the trademark office to do it, but they get charge 1500 bucks for that. You know, if you do that and companies that say, well, we'll worry about it if something happens later, it's like, well, 
bet on yourself, man, because if you succeed, that's an asset that is worth magnitudes more than that 1500 bucks. You know, the, the flying dog trademark. I mean, if that company were ever to try to sell itself, I mean, that's worth millions. You, you could slap that on some other product and immediately have goodwill built in it. So, you know, these little breweries that started with nothing, I mean, you know, another one of my clients, Sycamore Brewing, you know, when they started, they were just a little tap room. And now all of a sudden they're, they're a very large player in the, in the field. Um, so they were at least correctly and smartly advised by, I, I know I sound like a commercial for Michael Boyer, but you know, for, <laughs> and, and his partner, Cameron, you know, don't, don't, I don't want to forget him, but I worked with Michael Moore. Uh, you know, this guy has lots of little breweries that he has at least been able to convince in North Carolina that they've got to do that. Yeah. Well, since you brought them up, um, what was it like going up against Stone? You know, they claim they're not that litigious, but it seems like they have a pretty good legal team. Let, let's, <laughs> I don't really have a lot of respect for their legal team. I okay. don't have any problem saying that publicly. Uh, I, let me, let me tell you a story. I took my daughter, who's 13, who thinks she might want to be a lawyer. So she spent her April vacation going to beer hearings. She went to the Flying Dog hearing, uh, where we were up against the Attorney General's office in North Carolina. And I don't think I've ever met a group of people who were more collegial, courteous, professional, and, you know, litigated hard. They didn't give me any, you know, any points. I, they made me earn every point I scored. But it was, it was uh, you know, it, they were skilled at what they knew how to do. And they didn't feel like they needed to, you know, to bullshit anybody or, or anything like that. The law is the law, the facts are the facts. And, you know, my daughter was cracking up at the end of that hearing because she said, Daddy, did I just watch two grown men stand up in a courtroom with a judge talking about little pink penises on a big rock. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, that that's, that's how come, you know, that that's how we pay the mortgage. Um, but Is after it a penis, Mark, I didn't even think it was a penis. I thought it was a skin flap. <laughs> I mean, you know, penis, one person's penis is another person's skin flap, I guess. But, um, you know, the, uh, after the, uh, the stone hearing, um, you know, uh, she, she said to me, uh, Boy, his parents never told him no when he was little, did they? <laughs> I mean, I'll give you one example. Like, you know, we brought out the, uh, it was really fun. We brought out the, the six packs that had the infringing mark on each side of it. So on, on the short side of the six pack, it's got this keep it juicy mark. And I asked the judge if I could approach the bench. The judge, judge was like, do you have beer with you? And I was like, yes. And he says, well, under our local rules, any attorney with beer may approach the bench. <laughs> he had a good sense of humor too. And I, you know, I brought him up and I put him down and you can see the two labels there. You've seen the picture before. So it's pretty obvious. And their lawyer turned them to the side and said, no, 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 this is how they're in the store the long way. Um, you know, I, either he's never been in a store, which is possible. You know, there are people who are wealthy enough that other people do their shopping for them uh, or it was bullshit uh, and I'm going to call bullshit. Um, so, you know, that was, uh, no, I, I, I really don't know um, how they selected that council, but uh, they can do better. Gotcha. And uh, speaking on the um, flying dog case. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the ruling uh, at the end of that was, you know, something along the lines of you should know better going up against flying dog 
do these old regulators <laughs> really know better though? I mean, do you see uh, yourself working for Flying Dog again in the in the future? Oh, that, that's you know your your lips to God's ears. Yes, but, um, <laughs> I do because you know you got to think about the political process. These things get passed. You know, if I mean, if you ever done any lobbying or or just watched legislation be made, it's about as pretty as watching sausage get made. So, you know, one person sitting there and says, "Well, I don't think we should allow that. I don't think we should allow that." All kinds of unconstitutional laws get passed every day, like the federal obscenity statute. You know, nobody knows this. Everybody's jaws drop when I tell them this. The federal obscenity statute also makes it illegal to even talk about where you can get an abortion like illegal. And, and, and that was signed into law by Bill Clinton. So, and you look at it and you're like, what the hell is that? Well, it's waiting for someone to challenge it. You know, a lot of lawmakers, you know, I'm sure Bill Clinton didn't think that's, this is a good idea, but he figured, you know what, I'll leave it for somebody like Randaza one day to challenge this. It's just, I, I don't need the political fallout from people saying that I vetoed this bill. So we're going to let it, let it be. And they sit there and they hang out there and these unconstitutional statutes will just sit there until somebody has the wherewithal to challenge it. But to have the wherewithal to challenge it, first you need standing. So you need to be a person who's aggrieved by it. Then you need someone to actually take some government action. So you got that. Then you need to want to spend the money. And then you need to have a lawyer nuts enough to do it. So, you know, the, the, trif you know, the quadrifecta came together for flying dog, but yeah, I'm sure these regulations exist in probably every state. So yeah, uh, you know, he, the Flying Dog's taken out two of them so far. So color that map in with Michigan and North Carolina. Let's see what yeah. we get next. Gotcha. Um, and then just last one for me, um, did you enjoy working with these breweries and has anybody else reached out to you from uh, the industry about helping them out? Yes. Uh, first of all, yes, I loved working for both of them. Um, you know, I mean, Flying Dog is just, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that for a First yeah. Amendment lawyer, right? And, uh, and the thing I loved about working with Sycamore is, you know, you just see this, it's a family business that just thrived and, and blew up. You know, it, you know when, you see, when you see like nice people succeed, it just makes you so happy. You know, it's kind of like when I watch like, half the time I'm laughing at jackass movies. I'm just like, I'm just so happy for those guys that they managed to turn that into a lifelong career. I mean, not that, you know, not that uh, Justin over at, at Sycamore is anything like the jackass guys, but you know, <laughs> except, except when you meet him, you know, you talk to him, you see what he does, how he feels about his employees, how he feels about his product and, and that it is still managed by him and his wife. You know, you just look at it, you're, you're, you're very, I was very happy and proud to be a little piece of his success. So yes, now smaller breweries, I have, you know, I have worked with other breweries. Uh, I've got others that I'm in talks with right now, you know, smaller things saying, this is how I want to keep you out of this problem. But, um, you know, don't, you know, don't find yourself calling me when you have an emergency. You know, if you want to call me now, well, call me now. It's, it's a lot cheaper now. In fact, usually free. And then I have two last questions because I always have to, you know, I always say I have a shirt that says I have one more question. Yeah. Um, is this the stone suit is over, over, right? You guys yes. settled. It is, you know, because I feel like, yes. you know, they came out with like a victory lap. <laughs> because, yeah, you know. I, again, that's because they are represented by 
yep. shit bags. Um, <laughs> and because it's, you know, what, what we had in that case is, look, we had a preliminary injunction, uh, right. which I have reams, I have, I have like emails this long uh, from them saying that we would never get the preliminary injunction. And it's really this. hard to secure, right? I mean, a preliminary injunction, no, yes, no. It, it, it depends. If you have yeah. the facts and the law, you get them. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's like, I mean, I would just get these screeds of anger and my response would just be, you mad, bro? Um, <laughs> you know, and because I, I just don't have time for that crap. Yeah. Um, but we went in, we got the injunction. The court ordered them to cover up all the labels all over the place. Um, in some places, they, they did it mostly. You know, they claimed to have covered 95% of them. And then the judge did something really unusual. Uh, normally, a case like this is, say, 18 months from filing to trial. Mm -hmm. The judge said, I want trial in 30 days, which is like, whoa, that that's... I mean, that, that's like if you get pregnant and say, I want a baby in 30 days. Well, 15 days, actually, if you, you know, compress it like that. How are you going to do that? Well, it's going to take some serious work. Um, so it was going to be weeks of depositions, weeks of motion practice. It was probably going to be, I mean, I was estimating another $300,000 to $400,000 in legal fees. So if you got 95% of what you wanted for, you know, about, I'd say about a hundred grand. Why spend another 400 grand to get the other 5%? So again, Michael Boyer commercial here. Uh, you know, he was, I was actually teaching a class, uh, you know, and, and by the, the class started, I had no idea this was happening. And by the time the class ended, I saw that the case had settled. So he worked out a deal. Uh, he got through to their general counsel, their in-house general counsel. The two of them seem to hit it off and have sort of a meeting of the minds as general counsels and got it resolved. So yeah, I, I know Stone claims it's like a victory for them. Well, you know, they uh I, I don't know what looks like victory for them, but you know, it's it's uh it's sometimes it's like when you get your ass kicked in a bar fight and you come out and you know and you got your teeth hanging out and blood coming out of your eye and you go, Oh, you should see the other guy. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, interesting stuff. I mean, yeah. Um yeah, and I do wonder, hopefully nobody else will fall into the trap of using the trademark, keep it juicy, right? <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, that hopefully. I mean, it, you know, it, it seems like, uh, it seems pretty easy. You know, the, the thing that we found most offensive about it is had it been some, you know, they've had disputes with other smaller breweries that have stumbled onto their trademark. I mean, it can happen. People can make mistakes. And every one of them, they have worked out with, you know, a phone call, a handshake, and everybody's happy. But, you know, when you look at a company like Stone, which has been such a bully, I mean, has looked at, you know, you only have to look at the USPTO's website to see how many times they've come in and tried to stop somebody else. And they had this big public relations campaign about how, you know, you're an, you're an idiot if you don't at least check the PTO website before you use something. That led us to believe that, you know, this is probably not unintentional. Uh, it may have been unintentional, but it was then at least reckless. And, um, you know, they were very offended that we filed without calling them first. But given how they behaved in litigation, uh, we, you know, we did a psych profile on them before we filed. I mean, you don't just file willy nilly. All right. But by the time I filed a lawsuit against you, usually I know, you know, I know your dog's name. 
You know, I, I, I do every single bit of background I can. And, and I looked at how they were managed, how they're represented. And I said, you know, if we make this phone call, what I think is going to happen is they're going to file a declaratory judgment action against us in San Diego, where we're going to get hometown. Um, you know, it's, that's what happened to Miller Coors. I mean, that, that case is just outrageous. And I don't, I don't know if it's going to be upheld on appeal or not, but you know, Miller Coors, uh, had that been fought in a, in a forum other than San Diego, I don't think it would have come out that way. That was one of my questions, right? Like, I don't know if you can weigh in on the, the Keystone or yeah, if it matters. But yeah, that's not my case. I can talk yeah. about that all I want. <laughs> so that's so you think if it wouldn't have been in San Diego, it could have come out very differently. I think if it wouldn't have been in San Diego, it would have come out very differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, look, don't sue the Red Sox in Boston. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and look, Stone's a beloved uh, business in San Diego. So, I mean, you know, the Chargers moved and San, and Stone didn't. So, uh, you know, they're, they're, a, they're a kind of a local hero company. Um, it's going to be very difficult to find a juror who's not going to like them. Um, so, you know, there was, there was that issue. And so I, I think that wound up being somewhat financially disastrous. I mean, it was a $65 million verdict. Uh, I, I, I don't find any of it to make much sense, but they are up on appeal and we'll see what the Ninth Circuit has to say about it. Mm -hmm. And then last, last question. What is Ralph Stedman like? Uh, I've never met him. Oh, you never met him. Okay. No, okay. no, we haven't met him yet. There wouldn't be a need to meet him because yeah. it, uh, it really didn't matter. You know, it wasn't, if we had to have discovery about, okay, Mr. Stedman, you know, what is this? Is that a penis? You know, he probably would have said, yeah, it's a dick. What's your problem? So How what? old is that guy? He's got to be like 80 at least, right? Timeless. Yeah, yeah. man. I, I'll, I'll, if I make it to 80, I'll be really happy. So, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It all depends on what 80's like, right? <laughs> True. True. Yeah. I, I like the gin like you do a little too much. So we'll see. We'll see. My other habits are good, though. Oh, you're only drinking off the bad years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I don't know what my natural cap was, right? So, yeah, it's all relative. Well, yeah, you're Sicilian, right? Yeah, well, that and a million other things. Yeah, so. You live to be 120, probably. You know? <laughs> my grandfather lived forever. Well, Mark, thank you so much for your time and your insights. You've been super awesome and open. We appreciate it. So thank you for making the time for being here.